This week's Rethink Retail podcast is brought to you in association with Emarsis, part of SAP. Trusted by over 1,600 companies worldwide, Emarsis's impact-driven industry solutions give power to the marketer. Emarsis knows that marketers don't have time to chase after flashy predictions and trends for the year, which ultimately don't lead to revenue and growth. This is why Emarsis has launched Unpredictions, marketing priorities powering 2022. Request a demo or check out the ebook at emarsis.com. Hello, and welcome to the Retail Rundown Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Lewis. Joining the show today is Megan York. Megan is the Global Head of Product Marketing and Marketing Solutions at Amarsis, an SAP company. Megan is a dynamic marketing leader who specializes in sales and strategy development, organization design, resourcing, and market development. As a thought leader in her field, Megan applies creative thinking to solve big marketing challenges. Welcome to the show, Megan. Hey, Paul. Thanks so much for having me. So we are still in the beginning of the year where brands and analysts and even media companies like Rethink Retail roll out their big predictions for the year. These predictions are often drivers of anything from investments into new technologies to entire marketing strategies. But Megan, you have a different take on annual predictions. And earlier this month, SAP's Marsis released a new report titled Unpredictions, Commerce Marketing Priorities Powering 2022. Let's start there. Why unpredictions? Yeah, so unpredictions is sort of our tongue-in-cheek way of looking at, you know, like you said, this big wave of predictions that come out every year. We work with marketers every day and we understand marketers and retail marketers, you know, they're stressed right now. There are a lot of factors at play from reduced budgets and reduced staffing and changing customer behaviors and all the things going on with our cookie-less world and privacy. So we think nobody has time to think, what could I do? Or put the finger up in the air and say, you know, what way, what way is the wind blowing? We think marketers need um, not predictions, but actual strategies and insight and advice on what they should be doing this year and the things that should be in their marketing plans. So yes, I, I heard you laugh a little bit. That's our kind of way of saying, you know, Let's not predict what might happen. Let's tell you based on you know everything that we're seeing what you should be doing this year. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And I agree that marketers are definitely stressed right now. There are a lot of things that are hard to predict from what's going to happen in retail from a variety of factors. So giving marketers practical advice of real insights about what's happening, I think, is really valuable to our audience. As I look through the report, I noticed a third of the marketers you spoke to say the inability to scale content is holding back personalization for their brand. Is personalization still a major key to growth, though? Absolutely. Customers have been saying for a long time that they want brands to understand their preferences, understand the things that they like, that they don't like, how they want to be communicated with, and that they will prefer brands who honor all of those preferences. And so, you know, we've been talking about personalization for a very long time, but the power of it is still absolutely still there. And then making sure that personalization is injected into all the channels, whether it's the website or email or a push notification, 
with all the places that you're interacting with your customers. And it's impossible really to be able to, without technology, observe all those customer moments, trigger all of those messages in real time so that you kind of get that person at the moment of consideration of their moment and they're ready to purchase assess and analyze all of the possible content combinations that that you know may be tailored to sometimes millions of customers at one time. So yes, marketers need to be continuing to think about personalization. They need to be thinking about how they can use artificial intelligence and technology to be able to deliver on the promise of personalization, which is you know really meeting customers in the channel that they want with the content that they want. A lot of marketers are just overwhelmed at the number of permutations that can happen with personalization? And, and how do I make sure that I'm coming up with the right combinations for the right situations? And when you have a small target group that you're trying to reach that you as a human being understand really well, it's possible to do that. But how much of a difference does it make to be able to scale that to your entire market segment? Like you said, potentially millions of prospects or customers. Yeah, you have to. And and like you said, you know, there's only so much uh, we as humans can do that. There's we can do a lot of data analysis and look at things that happened in the past, you know, and try to understand our customers that way, but you know, it's impossible really for us to to predict what's going to be happening in the future. And, and that's the beauty of using machine learning and using artificial intelligence and making sure that AI is baked into the campaign management and marketing platforms that you're using so you really can as you said, put together all of those different permutations of product recommendations and content recommendations and content based on geography, all of these things that you know, machine learning in the background can help you do this you know, nearly impossible for humans to be able to do. And I know this is an area that you help your clients with. Can you give us a, like a tangible example of, of how you, you do that for a client? Sure. So you know, there's the personalization piece. There's also kind of the data piece that we, I think is important to talk about in this conversation. As we kind of talked about earlier on, data privacy is so important right now. And, and so you know, what you find in the report is that marketers really need to be focused on how they can augment their first party data in like interactive and fun ways that make it enjoyable for the customer to give their data but then use that data for personalization. So we have a customer called Sports Direct. And I love what they do because they have an, an AI-powered, um, you know, an Amarsis-powered online stylist where, um, you know, the person can go in and they can answer questions about their personal style and, and their activity level and, you know, loads of different questions about their preferences. And the AI stylist then goes into the catalog and makes recommendations on what that person should buy. So, you know, it's very, very valuable to the customer. We talk about value exchange, you know, the customer is getting something out of that experience, but in the background, that's helping them build a profile of that customer and match that data that's given with, you know, what's been purchased in the past or what they've been browsing on the website, and then use all of that to make future recommendations on the website or email about things that they might be interested in. So I just think that's a really great example, especially as we said, marketers are sort of coming up against privacy regulations, getting more and more stringent. It's really a way to be able to build that profile of the customer, do that at scale, do it in a fun and interactive way for the customer, um, but then have that information you need to be able to personalize future interactions with them. I completely agree. I think that um, it's all a balance of the value that you you provide, right? So for me, having 
you know, different organizations know things about me makes my life more convenient. What products they might recommend, what information they're going to send me. I, I think that as long as that balance is maintained, I think consumers actually appreciate the value add that's being added, hopefully. So it's just important that there is that commensurate value that's being created. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. You know, I've been in the working in the AI and marketing field for a really long time, and I have been asked the question, how do you know when it's too much? And I have always said, you know, customers will tell us when it's too much. Product recommendations or content recommendations, like we were talking about, like you said, making people's lives more convenient. People appreciate that and it, and it shows in their spending behavior. You know, they're buying those product recommendations or exploring that content that you've recommended to them. Back to what's going on right now with the, the push in consumer privacy. I mean, that is coming from consumers themselves. So I, I think they have expressed that some of these tactics that we've been employing as marketers are too much and it's time to pull back and it's time to really honor consent and honor privacy and honor how customers are telling you they want to communicate with you. So it's a very interesting shift that's going on right now. It's going to be uh, very fascinating to watch how retailers respond to that. But I mean, obviously, you know, uh, it's what our product does, but we really believe that using all of that first-party data to personalize your email or all of your own channels that you have as a marketer is really the way to offer that convenience, offer that value, and, and build the relationship. I, at least as a consumer, has have not been you know concerned too much about first-party data. And in fact, I generally think of it as an asset that helps me have more meaningful and faster, more efficient transactions with the companies I do business with when that data starts to become third-party data that it, is, um, it needs to have regulations. Even then, third-party data has lots of value, but it does need to have rules of the road uh, yep. to make sure that uh, it's being shared in an ethical manner. You know, just changing gears for a little bit, AI obviously is one of the key focuses in your unpredictions guide. What's happening in, in that field? What are some of the game-changing things that are allowing AI to make advanced customer segmentation, for example? Yeah. I mean, it's sort of back to what we were talking about from a segmentation purpose. Here's something we're seeing going on in the market right now and why I think it's a really, really interesting time to be talking about AI. Again, I keep dating myself and talking about how long I've been doing this, but um, one of the things that people have always been worried about with artificial intelligence is, you know, is this going to replace my job? Are the machines going to take the place of humans? And it was something, you know, kind of the dawn of it that, that people were really worried about. We just had a customer meeting a few months ago and we brought everybody in the room and the intention was to give product feedback from them. Um, but before we started actually, you know, getting feedback on the product, I said, product aside, tell me like when you're waking up at three o'clock in the morning and you're stressed out about work, What's the thing that's stressing you out? And every single person in the room said staffing and resourcing and onboarding people quick enough and retaining. I mean, the the employment market is just, you know, especially for marketers right now, is a really, really fascinating place to be. A great place to be if you're in, if you're in the market for a job, a stressful place to be if you're trying to retain your teams. But I think, you know, we don't need to anymore worry about AI kind of, you know, taking over our jobs. We need to be thinking about it as kind of another member of our team. So we can do all the data processing and it can, you know, I mean, obviously there's, we'll talk about this in a minute, how it makes us smarter across the board and better able to segment and, and target people with the information that they want. But then on the other hand, just from a team perspective, 
it takes marketers out of doing more rote data entry or data analysis or things like that in order to get smarter and frees them up to do more of the creative work. And maybe some of the reason we all got into marketing in the first place, you know, and also kind of like augments our teams that is, you know, the top of mind for marketers right now. But back to your point about segmentation, it's just not enough to look, you know, at always at past behavior and make decisions about it. You know, we can't always... I always say that it's um, kind of like driving, looking, <laughs> driving forward, but looking in the rear view mirror. It's not safe and it doesn't help you very much. AI is able to come in and help marketers understand what are customers likely to do next? Who's likely to turn? Who's likely to make a purchase? Who's our most loyal customers? And then be able to, so then the marketers can go in with their creativity and stand up really thoughtful campaigns that get at, you know, the customer's intention or where the customer is in their life cycle with you. So back to your question, it not only augments our team and frees marketers up to do the creative fun things that we want to do, but it also helps us engage our customers in the way that they you know want to be engaged with or will find the most valuable. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, uh, dating myself a little bit, I remember back on my agency side days, where we would design one, one ad that then would have 50 plus permutations of different formats and sizes for different uh, purposes. And then we would, someone would say, oh yeah, we're going to do a lot of, uh, you know, A-B testing, not even close to multivariate testing at that point. And the, the designers in the room would just roll their eyes. Oh my gosh, I'm now going to have to cut, you know, another 50 different little designs of, of everything to do the second test. You know, I think it's exactly right. What this enables is it frees up your team to do the creative things, the things that human beings not only are better at, but that is more enjoyable work. And it allows the mundane, more routine things and also provides the insight into the data, right? It's actually looking at lots of data in ways that human beings aren't able to stare into the matrix and and see uh, shapes and, and things in it and, and carve that and go, oh, this is actually would be a very smart segment for you, or this offer might perform better. It allows us to see those and then talk about that again, bring it back into the human world where we talk about it and say, what campaign can we do around that that makes sense? So I think it it's exactly right that it allows people to do more enjoyable, more meaningful work. Another question I wanted to ask um you know, net zero retailing is definitely a growing focus and returns are obviously a big factor. How can tech help with that? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, you know, sustainability is something or building sustainable enterprises is something that really is a, is a hallmark of, of SAP and how, you know, SAP helps businesses do that even outside of marketing, but marketing is definitely a piece of that. You know, what I would say is returns are going to happen. But I think what we need to do, because it is, you know, uh, beneficial to our environment, but also beneficial to our bottom line, we need to make sure that our customers are happy with their purchases from us. And a lot of that comes with helping them discover things that they are going to be happy with or making sure when they do purchase something that they understand how to use it and you know how to incorporate it into their into their lives and a lot of that can come back to marketing. I mean we've been talking about personalization, you know how do we understand our customers better so that they are 
you know, products or things that they might be interested in are surfaced. And then after they purchase, how do we make them successful using that product? Obviously, hopefully um, to have them come back and buy even more, but also to, you know, avoid that return and the return cycle. So personalization still is is one of an important piece of that, but personalization as it relates to customers getting value and keeping the things that they buy from us. I think those are all valid points. The more that I understand and, and have products that are, are it's not just that the, the product was a better choice for me, it's that I understand that it was a better choice, it makes me more likely to, to want to keep the product, to use the product and to know how to take advantage of the features of the product, because that's been exposed in that, that cycle beforehand. So I, I think that that's a, a really valid uh, uh, point to make. You know, I've enjoyed talking with you today, and I know that here we are at the start of, of 2022. So I won't ask for predictions since this is an unpredictions <laughs> episode, but I will ask you, uh, you know, what's something you're looking forward to either personally or professionally or you see for the industry in, in this year? I am really excited just about the evolution of marketing. The tagline of Amarsis is, is power to the marketer. And what we are really passionate about is, you know, we, we started the, the podcast talking about how stressed marketers are. I'm really looking forward to one, you know, building products and putting thought leadership out there and partnering with our customers so that marketers feel empowered, you know, not just to how do we get product out the door, but actually how do they feel empowered and how do they understand that just like like the conversation we had around sustainability that, you know, things that we're doing day in and day out do you know, make a difference in our in our consumers' lives. And we do have the opportunity to make such an impact and we just need to feel empowered to do that. So that's what I'm looking forward to this year. We have a lot of really cool stuff going on that's, you know, like we said, is about empowerment, you know, and making marketers heroes. And I am really excited to work on that this year. Oh, that's great. Things with the pandemic, there's certainly a lot of challenges and, and, and tragedy that goes with that. But at the same time, I've seen so much people open to change and so much opportunity. I think it's a very exciting year in terms of new capabilities, new ways of working, new ways of, of thinking about old problems. So I'm, I'm very excited about uh, to see where this year will take us. So it's only going up, right? That's right. That's right. It has to go <laughs> up from here. It has to go up. <laughs> oh, well, it was wonderful having you on the show, Megan. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. If you would like to be considered as a guest on our show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. For sponsorship opportunities, send us an email at media at rethink.industries. You can help support our team at Rethink Retail by dropping us a rating and review on your iTunes podcast app. To each and every one of you, thanks so much for tuning in. Retail never sleeps. See you next week.